0: to the Gaimier Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're listening to the pod and trust that this message encourages your heart and faith today. At GBC, we're all about partnering with God in the renewal and restoration of all things. And it's our hope that through these sermons, you'll discover the life-changing power of Jesus. If you'd like to join us in person or online or find out more, check out our website at guymeadbaptist.org.au.
1: Good morning, church. Uh, Our reading today is from Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. It's entitled Unity and Maturity in the Body of Christ. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle.
2: Thanks, Tanya. Thanks, Bruce, for leading us in worship. Uh, and uh, as you've picked up, hopefully by this point in time, this is the launch not just of our ministry year, but also of our theme for the year, uh, which is our extraordinary life together. Uh, for those of you who may have read the E! News, I do a little piece in that each week, reflected a little bit on that, uh, that theme uh, in, in this last week's E! News. It's an opportunity for us to consider how our ordinary and common lives, all the things that we hold together and in common, are made extraordinary by the call that God has placed upon our lives as a community of faith. And we want to be exploring this theme over the course of the year in a variety of different ways. So we'll keep coming back to it uh, from time to time uh, over the course of the year and exploring what it means for us to live this extraordinary life together. Uh, The theme itself kind of came out of a couple of uh, key areas for us. One is our strategic priority of belonging. Uh, We have three strategic priorities that came out of our discernment process of a couple of years ago. Uh, So we talked about spiritual journey, we talked about belonging, and we talked about community engagement. And those three things all kind of work together. Uh, As we follow after Jesus, I think there's a greater sense of belonging. And as we follow after Jesus and the invitation that he has given us to join in his work, and we do that together, that we will be engaged in our community. But for this year, we really wanted to focus on what it means for us to belong to this community of faith. Uh, We last year had some time as a senior staff in particular, and a number of you were involved in some of our thinking. We had an opportunity to be part of an adaptive capacity cohort through Fuller Seminary in the United States under the leadership of a fellow named Todd Bulsinger. And one of the things that we uh, identified as being something that we wanted to consider and think about was this sense of community, what draws us together, the sense of being unified together as a community of faith. Because if you've ever experienced community, like real community, like the unity that comes from being uh, connected significantly to other people in a project or a purpose, it's a pretty wonderful thing, isn't it? It's different than just having friends which is wonderful in and of itself. And it's different than having deep relationships, which is really important. It's about having deep relationships that are united together in some kind of a purpose. And when those things happen together, when there's a real sense that we're all pulling together, when we're all trying to achieve the same thing, well, there's, it's just different, isn't it? It's just kind of cool. Uh, and, and it transcends a lot of the troubles that we sometimes have in community, Uh, And and, uh, today I want to reflect a little bit on this passage out of Ephesians 4 where Paul waxes lyrical about the unity that we ought to experience as the community of faith. It's a wonderful little statement, isn't it? All the ones all wrapped up together, one body, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one Lord, one God and Father of us all, right? It's great, fantastic. But this is the unity that we ought to experience, not necessarily the unity that we do experience. Even in this passage, did you notice how Paul... uh, opens this. He says to the group in in Ephesus, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You don't say that to a group of people who are already totally unified, do you? If you're totally unified, we're good to go. I can just jump, jump right to verse four and remind you about how unified you are. But if you read through the rest of the epistle, it's very, very clear that Paul is addressing a group of believers who are not unified. They're not unified at all. I mean, these are the instructions to a group of people who are finding it hard to hold it together, wouldn't you say? Because we all know the value of being humble in bringing about unity, right? If, if, if you've all been parts of teams where there's been a know-it-all, really, really unhelpful for kind of being unified because they're always right regardless of what everyone else thinks. Right? We all know the importance of being patient to kind of you know, work together. Because inevitably, in any group of people, there are going to be people who just irritate you. Right? Maybe because they are fundamentally irritating or not. right? You need to be gentle. You need to be patient. You need to bear with one another in love. These are the people that Paul is talking to, to a group of people who are like, Oh yeah, we need to do those things. People who need to be reminded, you need to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You need to work harder at this, people. And, and the context in which Paul was, was writing, it, it, they were dealing with some really significant and real reasons why they were disunified. He's not writing necessarily to this wildly dysfunctional church of people who have no idea how to live together. He's writing to a community of faith. If you read particularly through chapters 2 and, and 3, he's writing to a group of people who are trying to figure out what it means to all of a sudden been thrown together as Christians. And in particular, this, the fundamental challenge, the obstacle that they faced, was that some of them were Jewish believers and some of them were Gentile believers. A wonderful Jewish division of the world. There's Jews and everybody else, Right? But that distinction between Jewish believers and Gentile believers was massive. They just came at everything from completely different angles. If you read through Acts chapter 15, when the church gathers, like the church leadership gathered in Jerusalem to basically try to figure out what in the world are we going to do with Gentile believers, They believed firmly that the Holy Spirit had been given to the Gentile believers and had been given to them in the same way that it had been given to the Jewish believers. They were all theoretically and technically one. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, are those Gentiles hard work. And so they had this meeting together, and they end up talking. The things that they say to the Gentile believers, the things that they affirm for them are things like, you need to be careful about the sexual morality that you're bringing in. You need to be aware of the food that you're eating, and you need to be careful about idolatry. Those are three really big issues. They just came at the world completely differently. And now all of a sudden, they're in church together. And Paul's saying, you need to work harder at being unified. And so he reminds them of things that they believe. The reasons why, even though I've got Jewish believers and Gentile believers, and you're sitting next to each other and you're pretty uncomfortable with that, and why you're together, you all of you, all of you believe in Jesus. All of you have recognized that there there is a disrupted relationship, that Jesus has died to, to make right our sins, to bring us into unity with the Father and with one another. All of you share the hope that the kingdom is going to come on earth as it is in heaven, that the promises of God to us in Christ Jesus, you all share these things. He reminds them of the things that they have done together. You've all been baptized. It's the same baptism in the same pool with different water but the same kind of water. We ask you the same three questions. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you turn from your old life? Are you going to be part of the church? You've all experienced that regardless of where you've come from. We could probably add to that their experience of sharing in the Lord's Supper, things that the church has done from the beginning of time or their commitment to scripture that Paul uses to kind of build part of his rationale for why they ought to be one. And the same thing is true for us, isn't it? Regardless of how diverse we might be right here right now in the same way that the church in Ephesus was I mean it was more than just Jews and Gentiles they had people who were slaves and people who were free and they had people who were poor and people who were rich and they had like they had everything as well What unites us of course is well, our common beliefs We're all gathered here because we want to follow after Jesus whether we've only just begun that process and we're not even quite sure what he what we believe about Jesus or whether we've been following Jesus for a lifetime, we're gathered here together. And while when you kind of get down into the nitty-gritty aspects of our faith, there's probably a whole bunch of disagreement, there's a whole lot of stuff that we agree to. Regardless of how he did it, we believe that God created the world, that he created the heavens and the earth, the material and the moral universe. Regardless of how we believe exactly it worked, we believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. There are these big pieces of our faith that bind us together, despite some of the differences kind of down below. There are commitments that we share uh, to scripture. There are commitments that we share in terms of how we ought to live our lives. Uh, There are uh, commitments that we share about what it means for us to be a community of faith. And there are certain things that we do together to try to emphasize and build on that unity, right? We hold a service every Sunday morning at 9.30, both on site and online, right? You can come anytime you like, right? You can sit wherever you want, right? You can meet different people. You can join a life group. We'd love for you to join a life group. It's one of our goals for this year. Join a life group, right? Meet with people during the week and get into the Word of God and hold each other accountable and encourage one another and pray for one another, right? We serve in ministries together, right? Uh, We might uh, pray together. We might give to the same sorts of projects and ideas, all of those sorts of things, things that we do, not to mention gathering around the Word of God or baptisms or the Lord's Supper, and on it goes. But ultimately, it's not what we believe or what we do that brings about the kind of unity that Paul is talking about here. Because, if that were the case, then the unity of the church depends on us. I don't like those odds. (laughs) Instead, Paul actually tells us something really quite significant. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, in verse 1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The you in that is plural. Y'all. The, the, the calling that we have received. And the verb that's uh, translated as received is, in the Greek context, passive. It is something that is done to us. We're not the ones who went out and got the calling and brought it back. Uh, we didn't come to the front and get our envelope. No, this calling has been given to us by God. And it's that calling that actually encourages people to work hard and make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's that prior calling that encourages people to be gentle and patient and kind. If we try to work from the bottom up, we are doomed to fail. Let me put it this way. If every single one of you were involved in a life group, every single one of you, And you prioritized it so that every single Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you were at your life group. And if every single one of you had found a way to serve in ministry in some way, shape, or form here, you're helping with Hope Field and the community hubs, or helping with the Hope Drive, or being involved in our welcoming team, or uh, whatever it is, and every one of you were serving in some sort of way, and if every single one of you was giving in some way to the ministry of the church, financial contributions, There'd be a lot of good things that would come from that. But unity is not guaranteed, is it? We'd all just be doing the same stuff. That doesn't guarantee unity. It's not a formula. You can't just plug in a whole bunch of things. Group of people, similar experiences, unity. Unity for us comes from our purpose, from the calling that we have received. It's been a while. So I play ice hockey. <laughs> Eventually you're all gonna watch a game. I just know it. Right? And I don't want to make too much of this. However, <laughs> what unifies the guys that I play hockey with is the fact that we are all placed on our team and placed in a particular division. That is, <clears throat> that is my calling but only because we have already been placed in a division and thrown together do we then work hard to become the team that we have already been made We're pulled together somewhat randomly. This is the group of guys who are going to be this year's Canterbury Eagles Division 4. And now that we have been named the team, even though that is only something that I have received, I now have the opportunity to live up to the calling that I have received. And so when I show up, it's a matter of trying to do my best for the team, to be encouraging to those who are there, to be gentle with those who may just be beginning in in terms of their hockey skill or whatever the case might be, to bear with one another in love. None of these things I say kind of the pre-game kind of chat talk either, by the way. (laughs) Usually it's let's get them, right? In love, right? But do you follow me on this? There's a prior calling that then it means that I act in particular ways to maintain that unity. If we get it wrong, we're going to be trying to become more unified together. That's just not going to work. We need to recognize the calling that we have received. The purpose that we have been given. And that is particularly important because... If for the Ephesian church, the primary issue that Paul addresses, and while there were lots of things that could have torn them apart, the primary issue that he wants to address is the cultural and religious divide between Jew and Gentile believers. I think the primary obstacles to our unity come down to, I think, two things. One, our very personal perspective on the world, and two, Seeing church as an event. Our very personal experience and perspective of the world and seeing church as an event. Let me talk about the personal perspective. We are taught and conditioned to see the world solely through our eyes, are we not? Not? In its darker forms, the two-headed monster of consumerism and individualism rise up together, don't they? And while I'm sure that we could talk about consumerism and individualism in the church, I want to choose, I chose on the word personal perspective because it's a little more neutral, a little bit less negative, right? Because we all know kind of the dark side of individualism and consumerism run wild, We can imagine what that looks like in the life of the the church, right? Where we show up in order to be served. What do I get out of this? It's very transactional. Uh, Where we show up and if if things aren't to our liking, we leave. Now here's why I don't want to use individualism and consumerism is because most of you have been here for a long time. If there was something, you're either really easy to please or you've decided that you're committed to this beyond just what's good for you all the time. You follow me on this? So I don't want to say that we're all individualist consumerists, although we are, because that's how we've been raised and shaped. But when we come into the church, we can then see the church through a very, sorry, a very personal lens, where what we are doing here together still relates in a very significant way to who we are. Right? So we come to church in order that we might establish and maintain the friendships that we have with other people. Which is a really legitimate reason to have friendships, right? And we meet with those people and we're encouraged by them and we get on with them really well. And maybe they're people that we have deeper conversations with where we might be encouraged in our faith, right? But part of the role of the church then is to help us grow as individual followers of Jesus, Where, you know, what does the message say for me and how can I apply this to my life? And we have that kind of very personal mission where what the church does is help us as moms and dads and as bosses and as children and as students and as neighbors and as retirees and as those who care for family and those who care for our elderly parents, like to help us do our thing wherever we might be, which means that we are unified when we are together because we tend to see church as an event. It's something that we do. We talk about it all the time, don't we? Are you going to church? Yes, I'm going to church. I show up at 9.30 and here we are, right? But Paul's vision for the church is not actually about an event. Because the problem with an event, particularly in a personal perspective, is that it is then out of sight and out of mind. When I miss church, eh, I just miss church. I missed the event without a lot of consideration about what that means for the body, because we think about it from a personal perspective. And again, I, this is not me saying, you all need to fix this. Like, this is us. Because this is the context that we've been brought up in, that we've been influenced by, right? Uh, These are the lenses that we see the world through. But they become pretty enormous obstacles for our unity together. And what we need to be remembering, I believe, is that ultimately what makes our extraordinary life together extraordinary is the purpose that we have been given. And it's a purpose that we have been given so yes, you are called as an individual to develop and become more like Jesus, and you are, as an individual, have your vocation—the place where you spend a lot of time and the people that you interact with in your networks. But it is we together who have been given that purpose. Together, we have um, we have an, a kind of a cultural ability to pick out the individual components of Scripture but we have a blind spot to seeing the corporate components. I think the images of family, the images of the body are hard for us because we don't uh, experience that in nearly any other part of our lives. This becomes a compartment of our life. It's another thing that we do. And it's another thing that we do to kind of help us as we're continuing to figure out who we are in the world and to do that as best we can. And I feel like I'm rambling, and I probably am. But there's something in this for all of us. There's something for us to recognize that there is a, there's a bigger purpose for us that goes beyond what we do here. This, you've heard me say this before, this, what we are doing right now, is not why Jesus died. This, right now, is not the purpose for the church. Jesus did not say, I'm going to build the church and they're going to meet regularly every Sunday for an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Depends on how long the kids ministry or the pastor got on for. This isn't it. If you have your Bibles with you, have a look in chapter 3 of Ephesians. Starting in verse 7, I want you to listen to what Paul says the church is for. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am in less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Here it is. God's intent was that now, through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Did you hear that? God's intent was that now, through the church, which is not the event, but the people, gathered from every walk of life, brought together by that calling. His intent was that the church might be the cosmic declaration to all of the powers, visible and invisible, of God's incredible plans to restore and renew everything in Christ Jesus. We are meant to be a microcosm of what God is doing. We are meant to be an example of what God is trying to accomplish in restoring and renewing everything. And too often, we're content to show up and sing a couple of songs and have a cup of coffee and go home. We're content to listen to the word and then kind of reflect on how we're going to do something about it in our individual lives. And that is all really good. Please sing. Please stay for a coffee. Please consider the application of the word for your life. The people, what makes our lives together extraordinary is the purpose, the call That we have received. And I don't know what to do about it. Part of it is because I feel like, well, I'm swimming in the same sea you are. I don't know how to get away from the personal components of the way I've been raised. I don't know how to untangle myself from the whole consumeristic stuff. I don't know how to stop being individualistic. I don't know how to do that. But we're called to it because God's purpose was not to create rooms full of shiny people. It was to restore and renew everything in Christ Jesus so that the world might become, well, the home of the kingdom on earth. So we've got some goals this year. We'd like you to join a life group, and we're going to try to do some stuff around community, and we're going to explore what it means for us to pray together and be hospitable together and stuff. And I'm excited about those possibilities, and I hope that you get excited, too, and I hope you get involved and engaged and that they're meaningful and significant. At the end of the year, we have a better feeling of belonging than we did at the start. But what I want to keep coming back to over and over and over again this year is what makes our life together extraordinary. It's the purpose. That God has given to us, that He's called us to. It begins when we recognize Jesus as our Lord and Savior and accept that forgiveness. But it doesn't end there. It starts there as we step into all that God has for us in Christ Jesus. That we together, here at Gamia Baptist Church, might be, well, a cosmic declaration to powers visible and invisible of God's mysterious purposes in Christ Jesus. How's that for a call? This is what we are about as a community of faith, and I would like to invite you to join me on disentangling ourselves from the personal and the individual and the consumer and try to figure out what it means for us to be the body of Christ, those called by God to join in his plans and purposes in Christ Jesus. That's all I got. I'm going to invite the worship team up uh, and uh, Cam, I'm going to get you to throw the, the big three. We're going to continue to uh, roll out the big three this year It's a way for us to continue to engage. I've been really encouraged by the number of questions that pop up each week. So if you've got questions... Maybe even ideas about how we could do this, and you want to frame it in the form of a question. I'd love to engage with it over the course of the week. So if you want to snap that QR code and uh, be a part of that ongoing response to what we believe God is doing in our midst, and that podcast comes out on Wednesdays, an opportunity to continue the conversation and reflect on what it means. Love for you to be engaged in that process. Um, and as we uh, wrap up our service, we're going to sing a couple of songs, uh, including the song that we sang at the beginning. So hopefully it'll be a little bit familiar, at least to those of you who are kind of in the building and paying enough attention uh, when we ran through that. And we're going to have a number of people down the front, myself included. If you would like uh, someone to pray with you or for you, uh, then why don't you come down during one of those, la- those last two songs or immediately after the service, we would love to uh, pray with or for you in whatever situations and circumstances you may be facing. Uh, But can I encourage you to stand and I'm going to pray for us and uh, then the team will lead us in worship? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have called us uh, to be your people, to be the body of Christ in the world, to be your hands and feet in your continuing plans and purposes to bring restoration to the whole world. And I ask that by your Holy Spirit you might unite us. Lord, I know that there's important things that we can do, you know, stuff that we can do to kind of help us feel a little bit more like we belong. get to know people and dive deeper into your word and be held accountable on things and to care for one another and those are kind of obvious for us whether it be ministry and life groups or being here or whatever the case is we know that that's good but we pray that ultimately you would remind us convince us draw us forward to the purposes that you have for us and that that might unify us And that reminding ourselves and being reminded of that purpose might indeed encourage us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That that purpose might encourage us to be patient and gentle with one another, to be humble with one another, to bear with one another in love. As Paul goes on to say, to use our gifts and abilities to bring one another to maturity in order that all things, all things might be fulfilled. So we pray as we embark on this year of ministry. We embark on this year together that you would indeed unite us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast. We hope you found inspiration and encouragement and God used this message to speak to you. If you want to connect more with GBC, you can follow us on social media or contact us via our website. You can also get to know some of the people from our church community through the We Are The Church podcast. Real stories of real people sharing how Jesus has shaped and transformed their life. We pray you experience the transforming power of Jesus in your life and pray that God blesses you today.